Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. Our scripture this morning is from John 20. It's on the back of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. It was still the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And when the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Thomas, the one called Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. And the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger in the wounds left by the nails, and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in a house, and Thomas was with them. And even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, My Lord and my God. Jesus replied, Do you believe because you see me? Happy are those who don't see and yet believe. Then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence, signs that aren't recorded in this scroll. But these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and that by believing, you will have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In our text today, the Gospel of John tells us of some post-resurrection appearances. Jesus first appears to the disciples, minus Thomas, showing them his hands and his side. His disciples were hiding because they were scared of the very religious people, the VRPs. They had seen what had happened to Jesus, and people had seen them with him, and they weren't taking chances. So when Jesus appears to his friends, he says, not once, but twice, peace be with you as they examine the wounds on his body. It's important in the testimony of John that the risen Jesus is still very much the crucified one. Because you see, the crucifixion was not a blip on Jesus' timeline, but essential to his identity. The wounds he bore were part of their faith now, and acknowledging and remembering the marks of the crucifixion were crucial to recognizing and remembering Jesus which ends up being the paradox of the gospel. Christ's broken body, his wounded body, would make up the church somehow later on. 
Well, Thomas gets word of this appearance and he's like, yeah, right. Unless I see with my own two eyes, these wounds, I won't believe this for one second. So a week or so passes and Jesus once again shows up to where his disciples are meeting. This time Thomas is with them and Jesus says for a third time, peace be with you. And he offers his body to Thomas for examination. And it is when Thomas sees the wounds that he realizes this really is Jesus. And Jesus offers no scolding, no history lesson, no resurrection 101, though that would have been helpful, but rather makes a lot of space for skepticism, the varying levels of understanding in the room, and offers his broken body as an entry point of faith. The very wounds in his body provide more space to enter into this mystery. This morning, we begin a new series on our denominational identity for the season of Eastertide. As we journey through the post-resurrection stories of John together, we'll be thinking about what it means to be a Disciples of Christ Church. I mean, to some outsiders, we're just the sleepy church behind El Paseo. To others, we're the little church that could, that works the Drive for Compassion golf tournament. We have a passion for outreach. We have a long history and deep roots in this town. But one of the most essential parts of our identity, whether we know it or not, is that we are a disciples church. And over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at distinctive markers of our identity as a reminder of who we are, as a resurrection people, as an Easter people, part of a Disciples of Christ church. Our denomination has an official motto. You've probably seen it on all of our materials that go in our bulletin. A movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. It's really beautiful. But we also have an unofficial motto that we'll be walking through for a little while. And it goes like this. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. And today, we're going to begin in the middle of that phrase, in non-essentials liberty, and save the others for the coming weeks. And I begin with liberty because there are actually not that many lifelong disciples in this room. A majority of us, including myself, come from a different denomination and have somehow ended up here in this quirky congregation. And we have our reasons. I mean, maybe Azel didn't have the tradition you grew up in. Maybe you needed to call it quits with the church you formerly attended. Maybe you've never even heard of the Disciples of Christ before, but liked our style or liked our people and decided to stay. Or perhaps you are one of the few among us who have been taking communion weekly for so long that grape juice runs through your blood. (laughs) You know who you are. For whatever reason you're here, We give thanks that you are. And though our diversity may seem like a haphazard point of entry to a very specific worship series, it's actually very disciples of us to begin here. Let me explain. Our denomination began after the Revolutionary War. That was kind of a long time ago. And the roots of who we are emerged in the first half of the 1800s. And because we began post-Revolutionary War, we are considered to be one of the first holy American denominations. 
I mean, other big mainline denominations have European origins, Episcopalians, Lutherans, Presbyterians. Their roots are overseas. But our Presbyterian and Baptist founders looked around after the war, the air thick with the whiff of freedom, and decided that since everyone was so spread out on this big continent, there was a need for a different way for people to practice their faith, a way a bit more localized, a bit more freed up to follow Jesus in ways contextualized to their spaces. So enter the concept of liberty. Our founders considered liberty, liberty or freedom, and I'll use those two words interchangeably, of inter- freedom of interpretation of scripture, a key component of this kind of church. In their understanding, people should be free to interpret scripture using the proper tools and in community and work together on how to live out faith as a congregation wherever they were, in Azel, Texas, in Boston, Massachusetts, in all these specific places. And though we have in time constructed a web of leadership and we have a general minister and regional ministers who we've heard from from this pulpit, and our denomination has official stances on things, these structures speak to us and not for us. Congregations practice independence. We're bound not by hierarchy or creed, as we like to assert, but by a covenant of mutual mutual accountability and the simple confession that Jesus is Lord. And it was in this mindset that Alexander Campbell, one of our founders, called congregations local outposts of the kingdom of God. Now, outpost is kind of a dated word, but I appreciate the sentiment. And so to modernize it, I like to think of congregations as pop-up events. In a way distinct to our time and place and to the body of people who make up a congregation at any given moment, a congregation lives out an expression of faith they have collectively decided on to work, to continue the work of Jesus. And so all of us with our diverse origins of faith, our different memories of what scripture means and how church functions make up this particular pop-up of the reign of God. Who knows how long we're here, but for now we've set up camp. And I think of Jesus appearing to his disciples with their array of understandings. Thomas, the bold one, saying, I've got questions. I've got doubts. I'm skeptical. I need to walk through this for a second. And there was space for everybody in that room. They could take their time to work out their salvation. Our own congregation's tagline is be who you are with us. Bring your questions, bring your baggage, bring your doubt. We'll sort through it together. Some have said that this church has been a place where people can have space to figure things out and to heal. This was a place where we could think different things about Genesis or heaven or the cross and still be loved and cherished. Of course, The picture is not always as rosy as I have made it out to be. Over the years, we have wrestled as a country with words like liberty and freedom. 
And we understand that those can be fraught. Just like the name God can conjure completely different things depending on who hears it, so can the word freedom. For example, after the Revolutionary War, I am sure the air felt electric with possibility for many. I love the musical Hamilton for this reason. Hearts beat the word freedom, freedom, freedom. But we know that while that may have been the case for white landowning residents of what would become the United States, it was certainly not true for everybody. It was not yet true for enslaved Africans or indigenous people or various immigrant populations. We understand today that it is not true freedom unless everybody's free. We get, in a way, in a perhaps, perhaps we wish we didn't, that not every idea is as valid and rooted in good faith as the next. We understand today that true liberty is not a free-for-all marketplace of ideas, but requires nuance and empathy and an ability to reconsider. So saying all that, how do we even come to understand the disciples' notion of liberty in light of how things have changed and how we have learned more? Well, thankfully, we don't have to figure it out all ourselves. Lots of intelligent and faithful people have already been talking about this for decades, thanks be to God. And our beginning point with this concept of non-essentials liberty is that while we were one of the first holy American denominations, we are first and foremost Christians. You know, sometimes when we think of words like freedom or liberty, we can kind of get this mixed up with cultural messages of freedom and liberty. But it's important that we parse this out as Christians. For example, while a core cultural value of freedom is rugged individualism, in which we are encouraged to exercise our freedom by pursuing our own end without constraint, that's not a Christian value. Because the freedom that scripture talks about is freedom and covenant, which is a very Bible-y word. And a covenant is like an agreement between two parties. It's a living promise that involves our commitment to God through our commitment to love one another. And covenants operate on a because, therefore basis. Rather than saying, if I love my neighbor, then God will love me, we carry the responsibility of one another with us. Because God loves me, therefore I am freed from all that keeps me from loving my neighbor. Because in the gospel economy, freedom is not transactional. It's a promise. And because of this freedom and covenant, we are able to be honest about our differences. We don't have to ignore them, but we can acknowledge them and celebrate them and marvel at them. Just as an ecosystem needs diversity to thrive, so does the body of Christ. And in this covenant, we consider our differences mindfully, allowing mercy and grace to be the currents that run through us. That doesn't mean that we are free from accountability or hard conversations, and neither is our freedom a simple live and let live ethic. 
No, our freedom in covenant means that we may not always agree on things, but we have promised to walk together in an attempt to discern where God is moving among us today, here and now. And this freedom expands our understanding of these little local pop-up events of the reign of God that we call congregations. Church, then, doesn't exist only to meet our needs or to be a source of fellowship or the occasional inspiration, though likely it does those at least some of the time. Church is also the place where we are shaped in a way of living that is Christ-like, set apart from the values of our surrounding culture. Our liberty that we take so seriously as disciples is liberty for one another, for the sake of Christ. We are always considering each other as we work out our salvation. And this post-resurrection story with Thomas, where Jesus shows his disciples his wounds and allows his broken body to be a vehicle of faith, shows us, shows us that perhaps it is in the places that some might say are broken or divided that Christ reveals himself most poignantly. Perhaps it's our fault lines, our rough edges, our cracks that are entry points of faith. Here's our paradox. At places where it might seem like everything is about to fall apart, we receive an invitation to draw closer, to trust, and to remember our promises to one another. And as we journey together with our diverse understandings of scripture in the freedom of faith, may we do so with the blessing Jesus gives his disciples. Peace, peace, peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.